0: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Do you
1: want me to sing the jingle?
2: If you want, if you know it, go for it.
1: (laughs) Here is the jingle, welcome to XYZ.
2: Thing. Nice, nice. Welcome to XYZ, XYZ, whatever you want to call it. This is the podcast for anybody interested in CNC machining, whether you're completely new to it or whether it's something that you do on a regular basis. Um, this is basically a journey of me trying to learn as much as I can from our co-host um, Aaron Goff from Goff Custom Knives and I'm Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, so this is a weekly show which we do on the Makery Network, so every Wednesday there'll be a fresh new episode. How are you, Aaron? Going good, feeling energetic this morning, which is good. That's good. The final push before Christmas,
1: yeah, in my case, it's literally the final day ah uh, um, is, is this just the last mail in day. No, no, I could probably go further, but like i'm just I'm just calling it,
2: yeah, that's fair enough. I'm that's getting very enough. close, very, very close. Nice. I did see those um, aluminous green chips that you were throwing this week.
1: <laughs> that was fun, man. It's that a bit scary awesome. to hit the cycle start button on a big CNC mill in the dark. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so
2: so um, for the, for those who haven't seen, Aaron has made um, a, a glow-in-the-dark liners um, for, for his knives. And, you know, that's nothing new. I've, we, we've probably all seen glow-in-the-dark liners before, but Aaron noticed that when they're... When it's not dark, they're this milky, white, off-white, green, not the best-looking yeah, look liners to use in the daytime. So you come up with a solution for that.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know if it's quite a solution, but it's it's yeah, a bit different. Just added um, a couple of types of pigment. So like a dye, a translucent dye, and uh, a fluorescent green pigment to them. So they have this really bright green color. Uh, they came out better than I was hoping, hmm. which is good. It's always nice. So you're pouring a resin
2: into into a moldy or? How... No,
1: no, I'm actually like machining the underside of the G10. So um, I'm I'm making what I'm calling like a swimming pool, a little tiny kind of mold in the G10 itself, Right. and then um, pouring the resin in there, and then it sets, and then that's its final resting place. That's, that's ah, exactly. I see. So yeah, that actually has worked out really well. I mean, it's they're a little fussy to handle when they're still like. wet (laughs) because you've got this really shallow pool full of glow in the dark epoxy but um yeah it worked out great
0: wow
2: yeah that um video you've done of of you actually milling the chips looks 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 very cool it was very Very fun i that (laughs) That sounded like some sort of monster terrorizing the town or something
1: yeah that's my cat he um (laughs) Ah. (laughs) he loves to sing us the song of his people Oh, there enough. Um, oh God! well wow. Hopefully, he doesn't keep doing that. It's uh, right. Yeah, it was it was very cool. I don't, I don't like. I thought, oh, I'll film it, and I don't know what made me try make the transition to like, oh, I should be filming this in the dark, but mm. it worked really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we may be disturbed by your cat,
2: um, no, but we fine. also may be disturbed by my twins because we are. I'm, I'm currently back in the UK, um, in Wales. Um and we're we're in my sister's house for Christmas, but since arriving here, so it was like a seventeen-hour journey. Uh, we had to have a test before we left. It was it was quite traumatic actually. Um, but since arriving here, we woke the next morning to find that the um, the minute that first minister here in Wales has put Wales on a complete and utter lockdown, so we are we're holed up in my sister's house. Can't really go anywhere it's yeah shops are closed um they're not selling anything so it's been last wow. minute Am- amazon for everything basically it's 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 been a bit crazy and at the moment we couldn't even get back into france if we wanted they've closed all borders out of the uk so oh, we're wow. we lit- literally stranded here it's crazy how long were you supposed to stay for it was a couple of weeks right um well we were we were meant to be heading back on the 28th because um Basically, about two weeks ago, the the UK government and the Welsh government said that they they were loosening, relaxing sort of things over Christmas, so people could at least have a Christmas, because it's been pretty tough, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally two, two, three days ago, they pulled that rug from under everybody and said, nope, shops are closing today. Um, which was crazy, because they announced this at 5.30pm, which mm-hmm. is obviously normal time for businesses to close. Um, it's just, the timing was just, just terrible, terrible. It's just very strange. But as I said, we tested before we came in, uh, into the country. So we know we're good. And we we literally are stuck in the house now, not allowed to leave the house. Um, so it's, it's like being under house arrest. It's quite crazy. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah hopefully 2021 is going to be a better year.
2: Oh, I, is I, I this def- our last,
1: is this our last show for the year?
2: Well, let me think of the dates. Um, no, there will be one between Christmas and New Year, I think, isn't that? Gotcha. Um, yeah, well, Christmas is
1: Friday, so yeah. I think for that one, my my family has a tradition that we do uh, like goals and hopes for uh, the next year. I think we should. That uh, would be good. Yes, yeah. yes. I've got I've got many, lots and lots. <laughs>
2: But uh, with regards to work, I haven't done a stitch because I had a couple of knives to finish um, just before we left for the UK workshop, which, which I had done. Um, but these are still sitting. I can see them now. They're actually on the table next to me here. Right. Um, they can't go anywhere. The, the postal service is now finished for Christmas and oh we're my. not allowed to leave the house. So, right. yeah, it's, it's a real, real bummer to the end of the year but it is what it is we need to automation can solve your problem
1: Craig. but probably probably yeah just, we could, just yeah. order a drone from amazon yeah attach the knives to it and i'll send it send it off exactly exactly that
2: would work yeah but um yeah roll on um next year it, things can only get better as they say don't say
1: that man you'll jinx us i
2: know i know (laughs) but we've we've had a few questions from people on instagram so yeah last week we set up the instagram account for the podcast which is xyz.cnc
1: and i've been shit posting as promised yes you 3d printed a cat this week which was nice to see yeah and 100 percent of our listeners agree that Die Hard is the best movie best christmas movie ever made Uh, yes i agree too
2: although maybe home alone is a very very close close second
1: well on a good day on a good day i may say home alone i'd like to see a realistic home alone because he definitely killed those guys like in the opening (laughs) scenes yeah Yeah. much shorter movie the
2: paint tins and so on on the head Yeah. yeah yeah but um yeah so we've had some questions from from people so i thought maybe we could get into them today absolutely um the first is from Nick Johnson, and this was on Instagram, and um, he says, hey guys, first, I love the show so far, okay, this, this is a glowing review so far, um, <laughs> keep up the good work and thank you guys for the entertainment, and second is one discussion that may be worth having is about feed rates and cutting speeds, regards to the material being cut and the tooling material. For example, what kind of feed rate and cutting speed would you use for G10 or a stabilized wood, etc.? and how might those change if you used carbide instead of um, HSS, uh, steel? steel. High-speed steel, yeah. High-speed steel, yes, yeah. There, there are, of course, resources out there to figure this stuff out, but it may be a fun discussion, and I'm curious about your guys' experience.
1: Sounds like a good one to me. Yeah. Um, feed rates, um, tooling, it's all in there. So I would say, right off the bat, um, high-speed steel, I don't personally think has much of a place in a CNC machine. Right. Um, And so you can use it for... So I use it for drills and some reamers, and that's about it. Um, But my machine, you know, I have a pretty wide uh, spindle, like, RPM range. Mm -hmm. um, And I can usually tune it pretty well to the material. But when you're talking about small CNC routers, um, high-speed steel is actually an even worse choice because you're often going to be running far higher spindle speed than you actually need because you can't go low enough, right? And that's going to put a lot of heat into your cutting tool and and with high-speed steel, it's going to burn it up. Um, You know, it's going to destroy the edge pretty quick. So, yeah, I would say, like, if you can, go with carbide. It's it's normally not going to be much more expensive. Um, and you will get much better results. Is there a relationship then between the
2: um, size of of bit or cut in tool mm-hmm. um, and the spindle speed? Is yes. is is there a rough sort of the smaller the bit, the higher the speed, or the lower the
1: speed? Is
2: is there a rough relationship there?
1: Yep. Yeah, you got it in the first one. So the smaller the bit, the higher the speed. So you know if you're if you're machining with like a one sixteenth end mill, like a half half millimeter end mill, then Yeah, you you know, your correct spindle speed will be, you know, 10,000 or above probably. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also depends on the material. So uh, different materials have different um, spindle speed or surface feet limits. You know, so um, like G10 and aluminum basically go as fast as you want. Um, those, Those materials, there's no real cap. Whereas when you're cutting steel, like there is an upper limit because at some point you'll be creating so much heat with each cut that you're going to be, like, melting the material. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, as you go smaller, you need higher RPM, which is why, you know, again, for a CNC router, it's it's perfect to go with carbide, because that, that means you can go with higher spindle speeds. And then smaller tools, again, means that higher spindle speeds are more correct. So and i suppose the more exotic choices
2: there are they sort of diamond coated tips that kind of thing is is that more
1: expensive is it you know will they last longer it's totally going to depend on your application um you know so for th- some things the, the fancy diamond coated or whatever might actually be <laughs> might actually be a negative so when you're cutting wood for instance Um, sharpness really, really matters. So that's one of those cases where high-speed steel may be an okay choice because high-speed steel tools tend to be sharper than carbide tools. Um, But carbide tools will keep their edge a lot longer. So one of the issues is that when you put a coating on a tool, it kind of microscopically rounds over the edge. So if you need like maximum sharpness for machining... Um, wood, for instance, then you might be better off going with an uncoated tool versus a coated tool.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So um, for G10, I actually use um, cutting tools that are intended for steel. So I use uh, four flute aluminum titanium nitride coated um, carbide, and they last quite a long time. Um, but G10's like. The most abrasive material on 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 earth honestly like it it as i discovered last week with Mm -hmm. my with my g10 um
2: step bits yeah yes
1: yeah exactly so like i have another tool that's actually solid diamond it's not coated um that's a two flute ball end mill and that's a pcd diamond tool so that that's like you know normal end mills are like 25 bucks and this thing's like 250 us wow yeah, but that is I, I don't know i've machined probably like 60 pairs of handle scales with that so far out of g10 and it's still like brand new right okay um could you recommend
2: anywhere to get these tools for people because i mean some of this is quite specialist stuff it's not the kind of stuff you're going to find on amazon maybe
1: yeah um, i mean i'm pretty biased i, I like i like marital um the owner of Marital, Frank, has been really supportive of me and my business. You know, every time I'm like, "Oh my god, I need a, a special tool to make this thing work," he sets me up, and it's been—I I wouldn't be where I'm at now without his help. So I really appreciate that. And of course, I'm gonna plug—you know—give him a plug for that. So of course, yeah. yeah. Um, he's he's added the diamond tools to his lineup at my request. He's got down cut uh, end mills, which are fantastic if you're like machining materials on a vacuum chuck or something um he's got you know two flute three flute um four flute all the all the tools you could need they're all there um i was i was
2: reading a story this week about um somebody just had a, a cnc router mm-hmm. and they were using down cut tools with M. I i think it was mdf that they were just cutting through hmm. um and what was happening it, it was pushing the um uh, not chips but the dust i suppose down yep um and while still heating up and it was they were catching fire actually in the holes but they were <laughs> sort of um routing out
1: so, yeah so, yeah, it's, it's... yeah the, with down cut tools um you kind of you need to have somewhere for the, the chips to go yeah <laughs> you know um so if you yeah, route it out to pocket, it probably isn't best, but if you're going straight through as like as a hole, yes. then they'll fall through and you're good to go. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Not a good idea for a pocket. Especially because they don't actually cut on the bottom. Um because the flutes are angled down. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so you end up with what's called a negative rake uh cutting edge on the bottom, which mm. yeah, you don't you don't want that in, in wood or something. There is a very fancy type of tool. Um oh god, I've gone blank on it now i i have one at the shop um but it's basically an upcut on the bottom and a down cut on the top
2: oh wow okay
1: um and these are designed for like cabinetry work and so on where they're cutting like veneered plywood and they need um you know a clean cut surface on the bottom and the top right yeah yeah um uh god i've forgotten what they're called but yeah they're they're um a bit more expensive obviously they don't clear chips quite as well as an upcut but they do clear chips a bit um and if you're cutting through material and you need good finish on both sides then they exist um <laughs> except it's not very helpful if i can't tell you what they are what they're called <laughs> i'm uh, sure I'll if look you google up. upcut and downcut together there'll be some yeah there'll be some yeah, I'm, results I'm googling it right now i'm sure i'll find it um yeah, and then in terms of speeds and feeds, so I'm actually struggling with this a little bit right now because previously I used a, a program called G-Wizard um, to do all of my feeds and speeds, and I just changed over to a new computer, and for some reason G-Wizard didn't come with it, like didn't mm. transfer across, and they've stopped making it for Mac. Oh. Um, so, so is this
2: just like a set of defaults? You put in your tool size and, and what the material is, and it would give
1: you speeds? Um, kind of. Yeah, it's actually a uh, sorry, here I just found it. They're called compression spiral bits. The ones oh. that are cut up and down. Yes, I knew there was something simple. <laughs> um, yeah, so it it has some defaults, but then you can actually fine tune everything. You know, so you're, you know, if your spindle can't go lower than a certain speed, you can put that in and it'll adjust the numbers. Oh, that's um, would Yeah, oh. if you if you're looking for a rough cut versus a finish cut, you can like move a little slider and it will adjust the numbers. Um, Overall, I've found that, you know, something like that provides a very, very good starting point. Um, So, yeah, if you're on on PC, I I do like G-Wizard personally um, and it's very reasonable to to buy. Um, I've used that for a long time and it's always gotten me like a very reasonable starting point. You know, from there, I might end up fine-tuning stuff, but like I've never had it give me cutting parameters that didn't work, which is good.
2: From a beginner's point of view, um, if you're just doing wood and maybe plastics, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. so Easel, which we've talked about in the past, which is you know, normally the first step for people, I suppose, if they're doing any sort of CNC routing or milling, um, they have um, a, like a library of tools and materials and they'll give you feed rates and cutting mm. speeds, but they are very, very conservative. right. Um, so in my experience, what I have used with them, you can normally notch it up a fair bit extra. Right. Um, but yeah, they they don't have the facility there to say you know what one minimum spindle speed would be and to change things. It's it's very very basic. But I know a lot of people will use those those feed rates and then use it with Carbide Create or with another with another piece of software.
1: Right. Yeah, and one thing worth noting is that like with a lot of materials, going conservative works fine. You know, so wood. Wood has an incredibly wide range of parameters that you can get away with you know yeah. it, it, you don't have to be too fussy I mean with natural wood, it's harder because you'd start dealing with grain tear out um but I think that depends more on like your machining strategy than your machining speed yeah um, but yeah, with things like plastic they're like they can be super super fussy if you run too slow, you'll end up welding the chips back into the cut and then your parts just kind of covered in glued on chips and if you go too fast you'll end up you know packing your your chip full of uh your tool full of chips and and breaking it so there's this very defined sweet spot in the middle um Mm. it can be kind of hard to to get so but yeah for things like g10 and wood you really don't have to worry too much um, honestly just yeah find some reasonable parameters somewhere and then have at it
2: yeah not too much you can damage, I suppose. Well, I think, Nick, I think that answers your question. <laughs> um, we, we have another from the Knife Lab, um, and it's yeah. not really a question. Um, he just mentions that we mentioned the the mold polishing stones. And I think that was last week or possibly the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Aaron asked myself um, if I got the right ones, but we never mentioned what the right ones were.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, as I said in that episode, the part of the issue is that it's going to depend on, on what you're doing. But... For me, you know, I'm hand-finishing hardened tool steels and hardened stainless steels um, up in the, like, 62, 63, 64 Rockwell range. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use the uh, CSM stones from moldshoptools.com and they are a boride abrasives brand, and they are fantastic. There we go. Yeah, yeah.
2: A recommendation.
1: Yeah, I use those in the quarter-by-half size, um, just just for reference. Cool. Cool. Uh, also, I, I just need to say that if you're
2: hearing um, shouting and singing in the background, that's just <laughs> my sister trying to entertain the kids while I'm doing this. I can hear them, so I'm, I'm pretty sure the mic is picking it up. Oh, I can't hear anything. Oh, okay. That's good. Not like and, my cat's screaming. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And if the audio quality isn't so good today, I, I apologize, um, simply because I'm just using the internal mic on the, on the MacBook here, um, just because we've had issues with... Uh, me getting me getting <laughs> a chance to get hold of my stuff here in the UK.
1: Liar! You're recording it on a potato in a bathroom. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it might as
2: well as be. I think. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah. Okay. So that yeah. Those are those are the stones that that you need. Um, we've also had a, a question from Kenzie Aaron, who hosts another show actually on the Makery Network called The Young Makers. Um, and Kenzie, I think he's only fourteen. Um, you may be fifteen now. Um, oh, that explains the lack of salty language in this message. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kenzie is, is Canadian, is Canadian, so he's in Canada like yourself. Um, um, but yeah, his show, so I say he's fourteen, but you'd never believe listening to him speak. So his podcast is all about um young makers and he interviews um other makers from all around the world. A lot of them are knife makers. Um and, you know, just about their experience and, you know, what their plans are as a Super maker. Cool. And he is so articulate. It's it's incredible. So, yeah, go check out his podcast. And that's called The Young Makers. And again, that's on the Makery Network. Um, but we, we asked uh, a week or so ago about novel uses for CNC. And what could we use CNC for to improve our lives? And being a 14-year-old, <laughs> Kenzie says, for wiping your downstairs bits. Um, and he says, I can imagine a little robot hand reaching out from the toilet to give you a hand. I think it would be like one
1: of those crazy Japanese toilets. Have you seen those Japanese toilets yeah. with all the different presets? Singing a song. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those things that's great if it works great. Not so great if the software update doesn't work properly.
2: Yes, You, you do want to be a beta tester for that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, talking about those, those Japanese machines, those Japanese toilets, they can even, to take this down a wrong route, oh, no. but they can, like, analyse your waste, if you like, it and see, you know, what vitamins you're lacking in, that kind of thing. It's crazy.
1: That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. yeah, everybody
2: should have one. Yeah. <laughs> we, we also mentioned uh, last week, we talked about a, using a CNC or, like, a CNC router kind of machine vertically, so up against mm-hmm. a wall and maybe mounted on a wall. Um, and john phillips, who who is a listener, sent us a link actually to a machine that's already out there called the the Maker made CNC. Um,
1: and yeah. that looks pretty cool. I've seen these a couple of times. so it's it's um, if you haven't seen it, it's like a machine that hangs off two ropes mm. um and you kind of hang it on a wall or a bit of plywood or something, and then it it spools the ropes in and out to position itself in in x and y. Um, and yeah, they look really cool, but like, I just, I I think they'd be fine for like sign making and stuff. Maybe like engraving a decorative thing. Yeah. Cutting down sheets, that kind of thing. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know how, how accurate they're going to be. Yeah. But I do. I like the concept. Hmm. I like the idea. My CNC
2: hasn't arrived by the way. Oh, no. <laughs> um but I'm pretty sure we're, I'm going to miss it so it's going to head it, head back, which is good <laughs> because that means I can then ask for um a refund because the order didn't arrive and then I can get um one of the I think I'm going to go with the Onefinity machines because they look right. rock solid um and I think they'll do, you know, what I need them to do and I can make an enclosure for it that kind of thing. So so I think mm-hmm. that's the plan going forward in the new year to get myself a one of the
1: Onefinity uh, CNC routers. Well, I'll um, be looking forward to seeing what you buy after the Onefinity when you have um, <laughs> buyer's remorse again. <laughs> this,
2: I mean, for what I want to use it for, which which is basically cutting G ten scales. Um, I, I, I don't think there's anything else out there that would that would be better than this in that certainly in that price range anyway. This is you know under two grand. That's um, what you
1: thought when you bought that that machine from China, man.
2: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll yeah. see. There'll be a remorse, I'm sure. Six yeah. months down the line, at least.
1: Yeah. 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 Seriously. What have you seen in the news this week that's excited you? Anything at all? Yeah, a couple of things. A couple of things. SpaceX had another mission. They launched a secret satellite the national reconnaissance office into orbit and you know what's exciting about this one it's that it wasn't exciting oh right okay they just <laughs> nothing blew up you know like but the, that they're landing their boosters you know like everything comes back and lands on the ground mm. it's just amazing that it's 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 you know not even news anymore it just, yeah. just it just happening. happens yeah. yeah how quickly we get used to
2: things i know right lunar lander do you remember the lunar lander game Oh, yes. When we had to try and land the land the ship back down. I it's pull pretty up mu- a lot of
1: landers, yeah, it's pretty yeah. much like that yeah. <laughs> yeah um what else has been happening? so in Singapore, they approved lab grown meat to go on sale for the first time mm. i I like it. it
2: it it seems to it needs to be the future, but the, yes. you know but it seems that we we need to head down that route um, yeah i, I uh, yeah. I I don't know how I feel whether I'd be willing to eat it at this stage maybe As long
1: as it's not like a horrifying petri dish with petri dish with you know eyes and a mouth and it's mm. it's looking <laughs> yeah. at you you know Yeah I, I I'll be fine
2: I'll I'll, I'll eat it are you a meat eater anyway? Are you yeah. a vegetarian? You are okay. okay. Yeah, I, I was, knew I. I, I knew I liked you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've previously been a vegetarian. Actually, you know, I I do think that like industrialized meat farming is like kind of a horror show. Yeah, <clears throat> agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe more than maybe more than kind of, you know, and I mm-hmm. think part of the issue is too that just too many people these days don't, they don't know where their meat comes from. You know, they they don't think about it. They don't they don't care. You know, yeah. I think that and evidence is. Of, is cost based.
2: Yeah. You go to a supermarket and they they're, they're trying to compete on cost not quality, which is which yes. is
1: the issue. Yeah. I saw the funniest thing a while ago. I whenever I think about vegetarian, you know, meat eating kind of subjects, this always comes to mind. There was a a lady near me um who was just walking around and this this lady is walking along and she goes across the street and there's a I think it was a squirrel that had been squished by a car. And she saw it and she screamed. She was like, Oh my god. Oh. And to comfort herself, she took a big bite of the hamburger in her hand.
0: <laughs> I was just Not like, knowing
1: the the hell that these cows live under. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, Wow, that's um Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I just it just stuck in my head.
2: I don't know why. Yeah. But yeah. we've got a as as you know, we've mentioned before, we've got twins and um Daisy, the the one of the twins here. Um eats like crazy. We'll eat anything put in front of it and so on. Um, but if we're watching like a TV, a cartoon or something, and a chicken comes on, um, <laughs> so Molly will make the chicken noise and do the wings, and mm-hmm. Daisy will go, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, Jesus. That, that's very French, that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> crazy. Um, and then in actual engineering news, well, CNC news, um, the chemical company BASF they make, uh, you know, lots of plastic and that kind of stuff. They've mm. been doing some 3D printer filaments, and they just introduced a new metal 3D printer filament that you can print at your house.
2: Wow. at sort of standard temperatures
1: then. Yes. Yeah. So um, I'm just looking it up now to get the, the price. Um, it You know, it's basically like a, a wax binder with metal dust in it. Um, I think there's some some plastic in there too so that it'll print properly. Mm. You can print it on any standard printer that has like a one hundred degrees Celsius hotbed. Um and then it comes with a ticket, a golden ticket. Um and you send your parts away to be debinded and sintered. And then you get back metal parts. Oh wow. Wow. Um, yeah, so I think it's a really interesting concept. I, you know, I think it's super cool that you can just on a standard printer, like on on your little Prusa Mini, you could print, mm. you know, metal bearing parts.
2: Yeah. So, 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 what will the, when you send it away, what will they they'll they'll sort of melt away the plastic? Is that is that right? How would, yeah, what was the finishing? I,
1: I was looking this up the other day because I was like, can I do this at home? Tell me more. You know. Um. So basically, it sounds like what they do is they use a vapor degreasing system. So they use, like, a solvent, um, and they put your part above the solvent, and then the solvent is heated so that the vapors kind of land on your part and slowly wash away the binder. Right.
2: Um,
1: And then when there's a very small percentage of the binder left, just enough to keep it held together, they take it out, they let the solvent dry, and then they put it in um, a high-temperature oven with an inert atmosphere, Um, so, like, argon or something. And then they heat it up until it, all of the little metal particles kind of melt a little bit and bind to each other. And then they let it cool and you have your, your finished pot. We're living in the future. Yeah, seriously, right? Mm. So it's, it's uh, the material's 316L stainless. And the L stands for low carbon in this case. Cool. And it is uh, $465 for three kilos.
2: Wow, okay.
1: Okay, pretty expensive. So that's, that's one spool. Yeah, it's not cheap but um oh i can i can hear the girls now
2: yeah i'm trying to mute in between me talking and me not oh, that's, so, so that's bear fine. with me
1: that's fine um yeah i mean but if you don't have a cnc mill and you know parts would be too expensive to send out to have them made or something then yeah you know it's possibly an option for people totally yeah so yeah it's just super cool that that's out there
2: yeah, and you sent me a link this week as well to the to the bantam tools to the to their yeah. desktop CNC machine, yeah. um, and that is definitely you know a mill as opposed to a router. You know yes. the, the, the way it sort of works. Well, I would
1: still argue it's it's a router. Okay, okay. They call it a mill, but I think the spindle speed kind of puts it in router category. Oh, okay, personally. is that how you'd categorize them? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay, because okay. you know that so i think the lowest spindle speed on that thing is it's above 10000 rpm i'm just i'm right. just l- looking at the specs now but um it it does machine aluminum pretty yeah pretty competently by the look it and it
2: seems that's what it's designed for for sort of aluminum uh i'm saying aluminum now aluminium is the proper <laughs> way to say it aluminium <laughs> prototyping. but um but it but it's got a very i assume to be a very low powered spindle cuz i think it's a 300 watt spindle yeah, 250.
1: Um, wow. Oh, no, three. No, it says. Hang on a second. It says 350 for the total power requirements, and 250 for the spindle. Right, okay.
2: So that that seemed very sort of low power to do, even for aluminium, I would have thought. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm really works. impressed. I honestly, like, I, I've seen it a bunch of times. You know, I kind of interact with them on Instagram because they have some mm. really cool videos showing off the machine. But I'd never really, like, watched a video, you know start to finish showing how the machine runs and, and so on. And honestly after watching the video, I'm I'm really, really impressed. It's a really nice um package, you know. Yeah. Um well, but it seems to be tuned
2: very well for what it needs to be doing. And it's it's made by um Bantam Tools, which is headed up by Bray Pettis, who used to uh, well, who founded uh Makeabot. Right. So, you know, the the company that really that bought sort of consumer three D printing it's the first sort of brand, I suppose, that made it, you know, popular. And I, I think MakerBot set up Thingiverse originally as well, mm. um, which is obviously the, you know, the library of, of print files that anybody can go to and download stuff. Um, and, you know, it's it's got its own software built for it as well. And it's, yeah. it seems to be a really nice package. And there's, there's a probing sensor for, I think, all three access that it has.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things that really blew me away. Like, they do, um, you know, electronic height setting for all the tools um, hmm. and they do like probing as part of the s- standard setup um yeah just just really a nice little package I'm just trying to look at the pricing here but yeah just just I was impressed
2: I yeah liked it. i I think they're about three and a half four grand yeah um th- but th-
1: th- 3600
2: I think there's about an eight month wait list at the moment as well. Oh wow! Um, so so hopefully they're doing really well as a company, and you know they can innovate a bit more as well and, and carry on. So that would be really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be really cool to see a like a more heavily built machine with the same, same software, same features. Because it it just seems like it's really, you know, very easy for for new people to get into.
2: Yeah, yeah. And if it's anything like the way MakerBot went they they were always sort of improving and yeah you know, i think my my very first 3d printer was one of the original makerbots with the mm. with the wooden frame mm-hmm. uh, and they they were always you know making
1: making those better and so on so yeah that i think it's a really one to look out for if you like and i was just thinking on on that on that realm you know what are what are are there other little machines like that you know that are just really well put together you know mm. like I mean, that is, you know, a full machine
2: with an enclosure, whereas in that price bracket, you are looking at, you know, what I'd consider to be sort of routers, um, and quite often you are literally putting in, you know, a a third-party router into it rather than a spindle, um, a specific spindle. Um, For that sort of price, I don't think there's much else out there.
1: Um, They've been really clever with their spindle. I don't know if you you noticed this from looking at the photos, but the motor that's driving their spindle is actually a... um a Brushless DC, uh, like radio control motor,
2: really, right? Yeah,
1: or like a variation thereof. It might be one of the ones that's designed for, um, like the electric longboards, the electric skateboards. Oh, right, it yes, looks kind yeah. of like that. But, right. yeah, you know, just, just, I, I just think that it, the whole system looks very clever, you know, very, um, well thought out, you know.
0: Mm.
2: And it and it seems to be all built in the US as well, which they're which they're very proud of, mm-hmm. and that sort of links back to what we were talking about last week, where you know it's it's easy to buy machines, not not easy to buy machines from China, but there seems to be a lot more choice
1: of of machines. A lot more choice. Um, yeah, yeah, I do appreciate that. Trying to trying to keep everything domestic if they can.
2: Yeah. So so with Christmas coming up um mm-hmm. and we've certainly missed the boat for for christmas presents for people um but let's um say you're looking for presents for somebody who are, who is interested in cnc um Ooh. what are those little things that make things easier for you that are inexpensive um but sort of
1: punch above their weight oh electronic tool set mm-hmm. i would say like if you don't have one there they're amazing the, so it's just um It's like a little LED with a battery and then um, a kind of precision metal assembly so that when you touch something conductive between the top and bottom, it lights up. Right, okay. Um, And so they're set to be like a a perfect height. I I bought one from Shars, which is kind of the place to buy Chinese tooling in in North America. Speaking of buying Chinese machinery. (laughs) And it was, um, yeah, like a hundred bucks. And I've been using that for like, Six years, it works great.
2: Hmm. I mean, it, it's not CNC focused, but um, I think we're going to be doing something very similar to this on Knife Talk coming up. I mean, little little things for, you know, knife makers should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and those little angle finders, you know, those little electronics, oh, little yeah. cubes. Yep. Um, they are incredible, and they are so cheap. I, I needed to buy. I needed to buy a replacement because what one I had was broken, and um, I ended up buying like five because they were just so cheap and you know, <laughs> around different places. Um, those are the kind of things that
1: I think, yeah, everybody should be getting without doubt. I don't use them. I I like I, I know I know of them. I've never really had a use. Oh right. Yeah. I mean I use them for, you know,
2: if I'm but that's the thing, your machine in virtually well, everything. Um you, you're not yeah. taking much to the to the grinder, I suppose. No, I um, just
1: just like after final assembly I'm grinding off my the heads of my bolts and that's it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, I use it for, you know, any, any, um, the, the platen, making sure the platen's square, um, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And I, I did use it to set up that little, really dinky little CNC machine I've got as well, just to make sure that the spindle is, is, uh, square with the, with the bed. Right. Um, but yeah, they're just really, really handy, the, the, those kinds of things. And things like squares, you know, make sure you've got plenty of them around, all those kind of things. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too because like when I say I don't have much use for it, I, unfortunately I couldn't use something like that to make sure that my spindle's square. You know, like you just, you get to a level, of, like when you're talking about a big CNC mill, you get to a level of precision required that mm. uh, something like that can't do it. Yeah. So when I'm, so it's interesting, even though my machines weigh like five and a half thousand pounds, if if they're not leveled properly, the frame will twist and the spindle will be out of square relative to the table. Ah. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, you have to get a precision level and put it on the table and go around and adjust the leveling feet until the the table is level. And then to verify that the spindle is square relative to the the table, there's a bunch of different methods. But the method that I use, I actually put um a precision ground test arbor in the so like a, in the spindle. So it's a, a special metal rod that's designed mm. to have the same taper as my spindle, and then it extends out about ten inches um and then i actually track a dial indicator up and down on that um on that precision ground surface and gotcha. I- if it's out of square the dial indication the dial indicator will change its reading gotcha yeah but that's that's to square a machine you know to within a couple of tenths over 10 inches.
0: yeah no yeah.
1: not you know point point 1 d- degree or degree
2: exactly yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so how did you get your, because you, you've got the two machines now, the two mm-hmm. the two big mills. How did you get them into
1: the shop? <laughs> Have you got, like, you know, garage doors, that kind of thing? That, no, that they of both of went in through standard double doors. Oh. Yeah, so the, they're actually the same exact machine mechanically and electrically. It's just that one has an enclosure and one doesn't. Um, and getting them in both posed challenges. So the, the one with the enclosure, I actually had to take half the enclosure off to get it through the door. Um, but then getting it through the door was super easy. Very, very, very simple. It um, just fit right in on a forklift. <clears throat> no yeah. problem at all. Um, and then you just reassemble it. And honestly, it's not too big of a job to take the enclosure off. It's only about two hours. Yeah. Um, so not bad at all. The other one fits through the door because uh, it doesn't have any enclosure. Just It just fits right through the door. But the Z-axis couldn't go low enough. <laughs> like I had to take the cable chain off and I had to do a whole bunch of stuff to, to try and get the, the Z-axis low enough. Um, sorry, on both machines, you have to take the Z-axis servo off and you have to bring the spindle all the way down. Um, but the cable chain, so it's like this big kind of plastic chain that has all of the uh, spindle cables, the electrical wires and stuff in it, mm. that still is too high so you have to undo the mounts for that and kind of squish it um and unfortunately with the the vmc10 the one without the enclosure we had to kind of give it a, a running start we had to like it wouldn't quite go low enough so i had to just hold it down and then be like all right give her, you know oh geez. squish it through <laughs> oh geez <laughs> um
2: it's fine it worked and out. obviously everything then requires you know leveling off and all the rest of it again once yep. once it's parked up in it in its in its place
1: yeah, so like machines had to get reassembled, which isn't a huge deal, just a couple of hours per machine, really. And then, yeah, level them up. Um, and the biggest problem is that on the VMC 10, I, I don't know what had happened to it. But one of the leveling feet was stuck. Um, it's always been like that ever since I got the machine. I've never managed to unstick it, it was like rusted in place or painted mm. in place or something. So previously, I've always just leveled the machine using three feet like i've been able to work around it's it. fine but in in my current shop the floor is so uneven i needed the the fourth foot so i ended up having to get like a five foot long pipe um you know so like a bit over almost a meter a meter long pipe on the end of a giant allen key and just like put my whole weight into it and when it when it finally let go it was like a gunshot yeah i can so imagine loud. if you that much pressure to, to turn yeah geez. yeah well, wow. So, but now I've got all four feet, which is good. So what
2: advice have you given to anybody who, I mean, you've just, you I'd say you've just, I mean, you just mentioned how you move the two machines. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody's looking to buy an old CNC mill, which you've done and you've, and you've completely refurbished them. Yeah. Where, you know, how, it, it, it boggles my mind how you managed to strip these machines down um clean them all up and fix any parts that you need to get them all back in the wiring and everything else to get these machines running again. What, what resources did you use for that? Or was it just
1: take it apart and we'll try and put them back together again? Yeah, there's a bit of that. I mean, I, you know, I've done a lot of taking things apart and putting them back together. I, having some practice definitely helps, mm. you know, I think there's very few things that I own or buy that, um, I don't avoid, void the warranty on like immediately. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, d- definitely, if you don't have any experience, like, you know, taking stuff apart and putting it back together, then I don't think that you're going to have a particularly good time. Mm. It's not it's not going to be any kind of fun, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you just have to be really methodical. You know, like, cell phones are super handy. Take photos of stuff. You know, like, whenever I'm going to take uh, some electronics out of a machine or whatever, I'll take a bunch of photos. And that saved my ass a ton of times. Going back afterwards and being like... Having that reference point to go back to, yeah. Yeah, where was this thing again? You know, like, oh, (laughs) God. Um, You know, keeping things really clean also really helps. And and cleaning things when you get them. Because, you know, an old machine, if you go through and you really carefully clean it, you know, sometimes you'll find, like, a bolt that's loose or, you know, Mm. whatever. So one of my machines, the guy that had worked on it previously, was just an idiot. I think, you know, (laughs) just an idiot, (laughs) just an idiot. Um, The, you know, so when I went to inspect this machine, one of the servo drives wasn't in the machine. They were like, Oh, it's, you know, one of the servos burnt out. We had to take it out. And I do wonder a little bit whether that servo drive was missing out of that machine so that I couldn't properly inspect it. Because it had ah. a few more problems than what I was what I was right yeah. Um, so when I started using that machine, I noticed that the the Z axis had a ton of lost motion, like a ton of backlash in it. Um, you know, so you would move down and then you would try to move up, and the the machine would think it's moving for about five thousandths of an inch, and nothing would be before happening. anything sort of kicks yeah. in, yeah. And so I took it apart, expecting I'd have to replace the thrust bearing or something. So the thrust bearing's the part that secures the ball screw and stops it from moving around Hmm. um and it turns out that uh someone had taken it apart previously and just not done a couple of the bolts back up properly no (laughs) you know so like that machine was probably out of service because they were like oh we replaced the thrust bearing and it's still got backlash it must be the ball screw we don't want to you know pony up the thousand dollars to replace the ball screw Hmm. so we'll just stop running that machine but it was just a couple of bolts yeah. Well. You know, so yeah, whenever I, I'm whenever I'm like reassembling something, I'll put it back together and then I'll look at the whole assembly and I'll go around and kind of touch each bolt and be like I tightened that, I tightened that, this has been done, that's been done. Mm-hmm. You have to be pretty methodical, have like a checklist um because otherwise it is kind of easy to, you know, put something back in the wrong order or forget to put I, i've done that before everyone does that you know you yeah, put yeah. it back together and then you've got like you're a, bolt a few left over and you're like, yeah oh, exactly. "God damn it you have to go back and find out where they came from yeah um
2: so have you got like a, a quite a rigorous maintenance um schedule for your machines because obviously if the machines are down you're, you're not making um and you've actually um, you know you, you've got the two yeah um but these are doing different jobs you said so one isn't a um you know if, if one fails you don't just jump onto the next because that's doing something else so what sort of um, maintenance schedule do you have
1: um yeah i mean you you should have some sort of maintenance schedule i'm pretty easy going about that like i'll just you know like one of the machines needs to be greased every x number of hours you know i do that mm. um the other one has an automatic oiling system instead of the grease and it'll just yell at you when the oil runs out so you mm. just fill the oil up you know Apart from that, you know, there's really not a whole lot to do. Um, that's kind of it. Um, just, just as people nice. say,
2: you just press a button, and a knife spits out at the end. Yeah, exactly. It's just like that. It's just like that. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, like having the automatic oil system is really nice. Uh, it definitely means the machine's going to last longer running production because it's it's never without oil. Mm. But they they when they set the parameters for this automatic oiling system, they were a bit aggressive. It does one shot of oil every four minutes, wow. so that machine drinks about a gallon of oil a month. Oh, and geez. and then um, because I took the enclosure apart, um, I didn't realize how much oil this machine used. And so I, when I put the enclosure back together, I was like, oh, I, I don't need to seal it up. You know, normally you would put like um, like caulking along mm. the along the joints, and I was like, I don't need yeah. to worry about that. Yeah, so now this thing just pisses oil onto my floor, all over the floor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the things for early next year is I'm gonna have to go through and degrease the machine really well, and then uh, seal up those joints. You know? Yeah. Cause, like I can't, I can't really put corking on it while it's oily. So oily, yeah. Yeah, yeah makes so. sense. Yeah. yeah, don't don't do that. If you do take <laughs> an enclosure apart, make sure you seal it back up. So g-
2: going back to um, your your space age liners that you made, mm, um, the glow in the, the dark, these glow in the dark. Yes. Are these going to be a, a constant sort of in in stock? Is this
1: something you're always know going to be offering, or is this a one off special? No, I think I've been trying to come up with some glow in the dark stuff for a while. Just it just looks cool, man. You know, mm. like some people definitely think it looks cheesy. It can look cheesy. I think it looks super cool when it's done right. Um, I would like to keep it in stock. Yeah. Um, I, I've been working on an idea for a long time, um, called Project Blinky. Project Blinky. (laughs) I'm intrigued. And the idea was rather than using, you know, the, the, um, you know, standard kind of glow in the dark dust or, or whatever to actually have like an led inside the knife that just ah. gently glows well um
2: <laughs> i've been thinking along the lines of something very similar mm. um and i i started it um last march because i was going to launch this on april fool's day as a new life <laughs> that i'd be selling um but for some reason i just didn't get to it so basically i took one of those um you know the pedometers um that measure steps yes I mean, we've all got them on our phone and stuff now. But, you know, you can get these, like, tiny little Chinese ones for, like, you know, pennies. They're they're literally pennies. Right. Um, and they've got one of those little, you know, the, the CR2032 or whatever, those little button batteries in them. Yep. So I thought, well, if I cast a handle, just a clear handle, and then I mailed out some pockets in there, right? I could have... Um, because uh, my, my, mine was a sort of full tang, uh, just like yours, and they're sort of skeletonized. so you could get, you could use both sides of the handle to fit something in. Right. Um, so the whole idea was you'd have this pedometer in with a little screen telling you how many chops that you've done. <laughs> And and the, the whole thing was, you know, uh, you know, you can go to your boss and uh, say, well, I've done you know, 30,000 chops today, I need I need a rise. And it was a way of measuring your efficiency for a chef. And this oh was all going to be a joke for, for um, April Fool's Day. Um, but, yeah, I'm intrigued of that, like putting something in the handle of a knife, um, yeah. electronic, you know. And obviously the the, the problem then is is power. Obviously, you know, if, if it's a battery, it's sealed, yeah. and you're not being able to get back to it unless you're using screws instead of bolts and or maybe you know inductive charging maybe maybe that's a way to around it
1: yeah and that's kind of where i like i was like working on this project and it was just getting more and more complicated so like you can buy just little blinking leds but yeah yeah you know i i I tried one of those and you know you put it in your bedroom or something and it it just drives you nuts (laughs) because it's this little blinking light you know like no one wants to be camping and they're like oh i know where my knife is because it won't stop blinking at me you know? yes yeah so I was like okay it needs to be like a really subtle subtle glow like something you would never see in the daylight something you wouldn't even see in kind of a dimly lit room. it's just just when it's pitch black and you can't find your knife mm. so I ended up using a little tiny microcontroller to actually like turn the the LED on and off um, a, you know a couple of hundred times a second so that it it looks like it's on all the time but it's actually not. It's and, the battery that little bit, yeah. Yeah, and the the doing it this way with a microcontroller seems crazy, but it means that I can just have one or two parts. You know, you have the LED and the microcontroller and the battery. And the mm. microcontroller I'm using is really, really tiny, and it's super power efficient. So some playing around with that, and I was able to get a little coin cell battery to last uh, a bit over three months.
2: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: yeah Yeah. so then i was like okay how big of a battery can i fit in here you know and it turns out that the answer is really not much bigger than a coin cell battery unfortunately (laughs) yeah but i mean you could use instead of using corby bolts you could then use like hex
2: bolts you could take it back off because you're not using epoxy so you could take it off change the battery for need every few
1: months i really wanted it to be like cast in place you know so Uh, no water could ever get to the electronics everything's sealed up you know yeah so, yeah, and then I started looking at inductive charging, like we were talking about, and then I started looking at energy harvesting, so like the movement of the knife would actually charge it <laughs> um it's It's still one of those things, like I don't think it's ever going to be practical, but you no know, it's not it's practical, kind of a, it would be cool, yeah yeah, it's a fun, fun, nutty project, so it's still on my back burner, you know,
2: yeah, and I can't think who it was, but I know a maker who puts r f i d chips in in his handles of his knives. Um, and that gives details of, mm. of the maker, um, when it was made, that kind of thing.
1: I have actually wondered about doing that. I didn't know anybody else was doing it. That's yeah, cool. I can't
2: think who. It, I'll have to find out who it was. Um, I think they sent us a link to something on, on Knife Talk a long time ago, um, and I, I think that's pretty cool. That's,
1: yeah, it's like a little authenticity certificate built exactly. into exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, other things, um, an Australian maker. I can't think who it was, but he laser etched. Um, the blade to have this pattern on it, um, and he also had a, a an iOS app to go with that then as well, and it was image recognition. So when it recognised that um, image on <laughs> the blade, it, it then come to life, and it, it then started animating that kind of thing. That was really cool, but again, it's not practical in any way, but it, it's just something quite Good a fun. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah interesting.
2: Hmm. So that's that's April Fool's now. That that's been. I've blown the the gag.
1: Yeah, seriously. I have to think of what I'm going to do for this April Fool's. A couple of years ago, I did a review on a chocolate toolkit. Yes, I remember that. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that was (laughs) was delicious.
2: (laughs) The thing is, I think people are expecting stuff on April Fool's now. If you see anything that looks half dodgy, you're like, well... That's not real. I think yeah. it's the perfect opportunity for a real company to
1: introduce something just wacky and crazy, but that is real. There are companies that have done that. I forget, I'm trying to think of what the example was, but there are companies that have done that where they introduced something that sounded, oh, you know, that's so futuristic. There's no yeah. way it's real. And then they're like, no, no, jokes on you. It's real. Yeah. I like it.
2: I think, didn't this, the Segway do that years and years and years ago? I have a feeling that was on an April Fool. Oh, standard. man. The seg- Segways, oh, they're so. That was marketed as the ultimate in personal transportation before yeah. people knew what it was. And we like, thought, What the hell is this? This is gonna be amazing. And it was like, oh, <laughs> It looks shit." <Yeah>. <laughs> I I yeah,
1: you know, I still I I like them, but yeah, I don't I couldn't see myself riding around on one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and keeping any sort of credibility. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, but, I think uh, we've we've gone far enough into Crazy Town today.
2: I think so think yeah. so think so so are you ready for christmas have you got everything sorted ready to go for
1: the big day uh no no, <laughs> no. what are your plans have you got much going on no no not at all i mean um we're in a, a social bubble with my girlfriend's mum, so mm. we're gonna have christmas with her she lives by herself so everything's kosher there so yeah it's just gonna be very very chill um yeah, that's pretty much it, you know, like, talk to my, I, it's funny, like, you know, I think that the whole social distancing thing and, and being online is, is very new for a lot of people, but my parents still live in Australia, so we've done, you know, online hmm. Christmases for the last 14 years or whatever, however long I've been living in Canada, so. Yeah, so you're used to that as well. Yeah, yeah, biz- yeah. business as usual there. Yeah, but, you know, hopefully you can take, you know, a
2: few days off and you can relax yes. and refreshed, ready for, you know, a new year and new challenges, and, and and new products as well, which which we can talk about next week with regards to um you know plans for the year and what our hopes and
1: goals are, maybe. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be exciting. Like things are going to change a lot for me next year, which is fantastic. Awesome, awesome.
2: Yeah. Right, well, I think that's a show. We shall let it everybody is. get back to their turkey um, and <laughs> pulling crackers and all those kinds of things. Um, yeah, everybody have a great Christmas. Yeah. Happy Christmas, guys.
1: See you next week. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.